Hey everybody, I'm Larry Little, and you're listening to Crossing the Line, a podcast where I talk with people about the moments in their life when they cross the line from leading with their head to leading with their heart. Today on the show, I'm having a conversation with Crystal Brown. We're going to talk about her incredible journey of leadership. We're going to talk about racism, respect, servant leadership. It's just a rich, rich conversation. So let's jump into it right now. This is going to be a fun podcast. It's going to be a podcast that I've been looking forward to. I think that you're going to enjoy because we have an incredible lady today uh, with us. Uh, Her name is Crystal Brown, and uh, Crystal has done a little bit of everything. Uh, like I said earlier, she you know she's been on uh, a trustee for colleges, and she has been on boards, and she gives and gives and gives. And I could go on and on and on. Currently serving as vice president of development for our local chamber, but I've learned that uh, you know those intros are great and accomplishments are great. But if you really want to know a person, ask somebody that they uh, they work with, ask a colleague or somebody that knows them personally. And so I did. And I want to tell you what this person says about Crystal before she uh, uh, begins teaching us today and tells us her story. Here's what this person said. Crystal is an incredibly kind, compassionate wife and mother. She has an incredible servant's heart. I've seen Crystal effortlessly engage whole rooms of people from all different backgrounds and professions. She communicates a comprehensive vision for those she leads and follows through with that vision with excellence. She's a hard worker. She was never the person in the room who was too good to do anything or that something, quote, wasn't her job, end quote. She's always dug in and pulled whatever weight was needed in any situation. What a great, great testimony, Crystal. Thank you for being with us today. Welcome to Crossing the Line. Oh, thank you, Larry, so much for the invitation and and for the great work that you all are, are doing and your you and your team. Well, thank you. We I appreciate that so much. And I have to ask you though, just getting getting started today, how are you? How are you I'm, doing? I am doing well, doing very well. We have been able to navigate all the changes in the world just fine. And of course, you know, we pray for protection and and wellness every day so mm-hmm. we're doing very well that is awesome and let's see now you have you have a teenager is that right i have a teenager yes 13 <laughs> just <laughs> just made 13 <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome so are we homeschooling or what are we doing well she is on the blended path and so we have begun this school year um virtually uh which is going Going well so far. Uh, of course, we ended last the last year virtually, so she's acclimated to that that method of of teaching and learning uh, very well. So um, so far, so good. That is awesome, and I hope we get to talk about it today because I happen to know you have two adult children, which is awesome. And I do. Then you have your 13-year-old. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. And lest we forget my seven-year-old granddaughter. <laughs> she oh would never forgive me. <laughs> goodness. No, we cannot forget your seven-year-old granddaughter. That is incredible. That's yes. awesome. So, 
Crystal, I wanna I wanna take a minute to get to know you. I wanna I wanna know that you are an accomplished leader. Um, you have um, you certainly have given yourself to this community and to the state, um, winning uh, awards for leadership and and uh, all kinds of things. But and that's amazing. And and but I'm interested in in some of the characteristics that propelled you to this place in your life. So if you don't mind, this let's take a journey back for a moment. Let's journey to back when you were growing up. How did you grow up? Who were you uh, as a young child? Sure. Um, well, it begins with my parents. Uh, they grew up in South Alabama. Uh, I was actually born in Mobile. And shortly after, they took part in what's known as the Great Migration North, um, obviously seeking better opportunities, economic and social, of course. And uh, my childhood through the 10th grade, uh, I lived in Waukegan, Illinois. And I was surrounded by family, immediate family, of course, extended family, aunts, uncles, cousins, um, a great church family, uh, wonderful neighbors. Um, and so it, it was it was very loving, um, a very warm environment, very close knit, um, very everyone helped each other. Mm. Um, that's what I remember most. You know, we've, we've lost some of that in today's society, haven't we? That large family, that large support system. Um, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, you know, my, after, through the 10th grade, my, my father worked for a company, actually Goodyear. Uh, and in 1979, all of that kind of changed. He had been able to to uh, avoid transferring because we wanted to stay where we were, you know, in that, that mm -hmm. wonderful setting. But because of a plant closure, he had uh, three options and Decatur, Alabama was one of them. And at the time I had a couple of grandparents that were still living and that was the best choice. And so in 1979 and after my 10th grade year, uh, in high school, <laughs> we moved to Decatur, Alabama, and that was quite the culture shock and in a very difficult time, you know, obviously to be uprooted from everything that you, you know, and love and friends and all that kind of thing. Um, so, um, but we, we made it work. Um, the unfortunate part um, was that when we moved here, it was a very, very racially tense time. I'll, I'll be honest about that. Um, and most people probably are aware of a, a, a very nationally known trial that was going on. So that made it even more difficult. So, but my parents maintained that same expectation of, of course, completing high school, going on to college, becoming self-sufficient, and just making sure that we didn't make excuses for not being successful and, um, you know, keeping the goals in front of us and reaching them. Not allowing yourself to make excuses. Continuing to move forward, uh, regardless of the change. Uh, continuing to lead. Uh, we are, are getting an insight into what uh, propelled Crystal to be the leader she is today. So 
Um, and of course, being encouraged to be leaders all the way um, um, and just embracing the fact that life comes with changes and you've got to learn to navigate those. Wow. I, I love your wisdom, um, Crystal, that your parents taught you that, yeah, this is hard, but we're not going to use this as an excuse. That is a great lesson for us all because the truth is we don't understand what you had to go through. We being me as a white male and, you know, in a, in a Southern town, um, I, I don't know the struggles that you had coming in here. And yet your parents refused to allow that to stop you and look what you've accomplished because of their, their value of we're leaders and we're going to be leaders regardless of our environment. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So that's amazing that, yeah, 1979 tough time and you moved through that and then you went on to, to graduate from college. And uh, so tell us about that. Who were you as a college student and tell us about where you, you met your husband and that kind of thing. Well, college was uh, was a great time. It it was very instrumental instrumental in preparing me, um, you know, for uh, leadership. Uh, I pledged a sorority, which is a service sorority, and one of our missions is service to all mankind. Hmm. And I, I was a legacy, and and that's important in my life. So hang on to that word legacy. It plays a very significant role in, in Crystal's leadership. And so my mom had pledged the same sorority and so really instilled the need for service um, in us. We spent a lot of time in nursing homes and in all kinds of things, serving others. So combined with the teachings of my parents um, and and the experiences I had in college, just helping me to grow up, um, you know, that set me on a path to servant leadership. And I just knew that that is how I wanted to live my life. Wow. And so you're in, you're in the service uh, sorority, you're continuing to give, you do that even to this day. Um, but tell us about, you know, we need to hear now, where did you meet? Where'd you meet your husband? How'd you fall in love? <laughs> well, he and my mom were in, um, a community-wide gospel choir, and I'll never forget, he he said something to my mom, um, uh, may have hinted that he'd like to get to know me, and at the time, my mom said, Murphy, love you to death, but you're a little bit too old, and so with me being on my way to college at 17 and him being 25, I think it was, that is quite the age gap at the time. Yeah. So, so she wasn't having that. And she actually worked with him in a program at Calhoun that prepared students to, to um, earn their GED and enter the, the workforce as well. So fast forward, I would come to know him later on after graduating. And um, we went out and got to know each other again, a lot of life happened in between. And, you know, we just um, somehow got to talking and it, it just made sense. And he, he, he just seemed right for me. He challenged me. <laughs> and and that, was, uh, that was big for me. So. I bet. I love it. Now, has, uh, now is your mom still, still alive? Is she still with us? She is not. She is not. Um, that 
probably was the most difficult um, period of my life, to be quite honest. Um, she passed away at the age of 53. Mm-hmm. And um, that that sudden death was, as I said, the most difficult time of my life. Um, although I was 28 and twice the age of my mother's, my grandmother, when she passed away, um, you know, I felt completely lost. And, you know, I had to go back to what I'd been taught. Um, I was just beginning a new advertising career with the Decatur Daily. I had this three-year-old daughter. Um, I literally had two different choices I could make. I could retreat and withdraw or just strive to become the woman that she intended me to be. So, um, and of course, my faith absolutely was my way forward and uh, the course that, of course, the support that my family provided, um, but absolutely hands down the most difficult time of my life. Wow. So you had um, you had a choice in this time of loss, even back then, um, you had a, time, a choice to make, either give in and give up, but you chose to, to strive and to move forward to be the woman that your mom, you knew the woman that you knew your mom wanted you to be. That is, that's the stuff of, of great leaders, Crystal. Um, and I know I, I'm not underestimating the, the amount of difficulty that you walked through, but you've been through some struggles. Absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. And, and by the way, congratulations to Murphy. Uh, I don't know how he, he did it. Certainly outkicked the coverage, didn't he? <laughs> <laughs> well, he, he was persistent. I can tell you that. And it, it took that. So, yeah. We'll tell him. He'll listen to this and get a chuckle out of that. I hope he's a winner. Yeah, he, he's a great he will. guy. Um, Thank you. I want to I want us to, to to talk about that struggle a bit uh, in the light of, of where we are today, uh, in in terms of um, racism that has existed for hundreds of years, but has been once again you know brought to the to the forefront as well it should. Um, talk to us about what you've gone through in the past few months and your family. Uh, since uh, the George Floyd tragedy, and even really even before, uh, I think that is has certainly shown light, much needed light on on the subject of racism. But uh, it's existed, you know, obviously for, for a long, long time before that. But talk to us about how that's affected you. What are you doing to lead through that? That's yet another another issue that you've had to navigate in your life. Um, talk to us a little bit about that. It has. And, and, you know, I've had some interesting conversations with my children, um, just making sure they understand our history. Um, but like my parents taught me to keep moving forward. Um, we don't get stuck. We don't blame others because of um, history. Um, we have an obligation to educate people. Um, how about how we feel um, about how it is still a challenge um, in 2020. Um, it's just, um, it, it's, it's about talking and having those conversations. And I've had um, some really in-depth conversations with my white friends and tried to shed light on how difficult it is when you have, I have two nephews that from, I've 
I, they're like sons to me. And so I've struggled with, you know, how it must feel for my brother to let them leave the house. Um, one of them, they live in Georgia. One of them attended the University of Alabama and graduated um, a year and a half or two years ago, I guess, a year and a half ago. And um, that that journey back and forth to from Georgia to uh, the university, just making sure he was prepared if he ever was stopped, what to do, um, those kinds of things. Um, I have his brother that has been stopped for no reason at all, um, making sure he he knew what to do and he did, um, you know, but but why that could happen to some young right. man that was just law abiding. And so it, it shedding light on that and how that feels and the conversations you have to have with your children versus the conversations that my friends that are not black or, um, you know, um, would have to have with their children is important. And, and they, they, it starts to make sense. Um, you know, it's, it's just a difficult time, but it's a good time though, to be having these conversations with, um, and, and shedding light on what has never really gone away it's it's just been brought to the forefront again and um it's unfortunate that some of the 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 uh, tragedies like george floyd have had to bring it up again um and make it so visible um but um it's an opportunity to talk and i think we can't talk enough um i think we have to listen with open ears um, and 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 open hearts and open minds and and just be willing to put ourselves have have that true empathy put ourselves in in the position of of trying to understand how it must feel um, and um, yes. you know the way people approach their anger um, is disappointing honestly sometimes I don't agree with. Um, a lot of that, that has gone on, you know, the, um, you know, the looting and all of that. I don't agree with that. And and most of us don't. Um, but it's that rage and that frustration and that anger, I guess that, you know, that's been bottled up for so long. Um, you know, I don't know. I don't, I, I, I just don't understand. And so I have to, help my friends understand that that's, that's not the majority, the majority don't think that that's the path forward. You know, it, it begins with honest conversations and trying to help heal and help each other understand, um, you know, our plight in this world, you know. Thinking about how others must feel. Empathy. Uh, it, it's a great challenge by, by Crystal for us to keep those conversations going, to continue to listen, to continue to learn, to continue to have empathy. Uh, let's make sure we don't let that truth go to waste. Wow. Well, beautifully said. Well said, Crystal. And, and I think your parents, you know, they, they just had it right when they, they told you, we can't let excuses keep us from moving forward. And I think sometimes we look at what's going on 
in other cities or nationally, and, and people are angry. And, and maybe some people are not authentic. Maybe they have their own agenda. I don't know. But we, Absolutely. Can't use, we can't use that as an excuse to not talk about racism. Let's. I think the good people in America, um, black and white, want to come together and deal with this issue as racism as a whole. And I think the polarization occurs when those people on the end, maybe they have their own agenda, maybe they're, they're angry, um, but, but civil protests um, have always been a part of our country and always been, it's, it's very important. Uh, violence is not, but we can't let that steal, that, that, that violence, we can allow it to steal the, the message, I think. What do you, I'd love to hear your thoughts on that. That's correct. And, and so we spent a lot of time here talking about the teachings of Martin Luther King, um, John Lewis, and people that have really impacted the world by um, civil disobedience, I guess you would call it, and, and nonviolent protest. Um, you know, they, they really changed the world um, mm. by, by just being respectful in their protest and um, created an awareness that no matter who you are, you have to respect, you know, what they did and the fact that they were willing to give their lives. To make a difference, so. Well, it, it from where I sit, you know, it took a ton of courage to, as you said, change the world by being respectful. That's a much more difficult path than um, allowing your rage to, um, you know, to dictate your behavior. Absolutely, yeah. They changed the world by being respectful, even in their protesting and civil disobedience. Respect. It's something we desperately need uh, during these volatile days. So, Crystal, you, you being African-American leader, female, a woman, uh, talk to us about the, some of the challenges that you have faced personally um, as, you, you, you know, as you continue to strive to lead and you do it so beautifully and, and so humbly. Uh, so you're amazing with that. And, but I know there's been struggles there and uh, talk to us a bit about what it's like to be a woman in leadership who happens to be African-American as well. And, and all the th- and a mom and a wife and, and you know, what, what are some of the struggles that you face? Well, you're juggling a lot of balls um, in the air, obviously when you, you try to, to give so much. Um, but, you know, oftentimes you find you, you look around in the room and there's no one that looks like you. Um, Mm. but you know, you can't, you can't be afraid of that. You can't be afraid to be the first. You can't be afraid because there's someone that's watching you always watching. Um, that's one thing that drives me. Um, and hopefully I'm, I'm creating a pathway for others to follow behind me. Um, and, and they won't have to look around in a room and be the only one, um, that looks like them in the room that we, we are, um, educating people that there is a need for diversity. Um, when you're selecting board members, when you're selecting, um, employees or whatever the situation Mm -hmm. is. Um, that you you look around and you make sure that your boards, your workforce 
are reflective of the community that you live in and, um, you know, that you're intentional about doing that. And that's a, that, that's a constant struggle, isn't it? That's been, it is for as long as you've been leading, I would, I would guess. It is. My dad used to, he used to drag me to in to early morning chamber rooster breakfast meetings, um, back when I was in college and, and home from, uh, during the summer. And, um, I didn't understand why he would do that. And I think, you know, why do you want me to go to these early morning breakfast meetings with, you know, um, but he was preparing me for uh, where I am today. Hmm. And so I'm not afraid to be in the room um, and, and voice my opinion, my thought, um, even if there aren't people that don't look like me. Um, I'm just hopeful that um, those those things that I say, those feelings that I express are respected. Um, there have been times when, you know, uh, I felt like maybe they weren't so much, but I think after you, people get to know you and know your heart that, um, you know, there's a lot of change that has happened by, by being persistent and not being afraid to, to, um, be the only one and to create a pathway for others. To be the only one to create a pathway for others. Uh, Crystal's willing to, to do that, to, to go out in front of others and create a pathway, not for herself, but in that servant's heart to create a pathway for others. A really great characteristic of, um, of a strong leader. Is the is the secret sauce, and I think you just said it, uh, articulated it well. Getting to know you is that is that kind of the secret sauce? Those the relationships that that tend once we build those relationships, they tend to break down the, the barriers and assumptions. It is. It is. I think people are afraid of anything sometimes that's different than what they know. And, um, you know, just building those relationships, you know, allowing people to see that, you know, I want the same things for my children and my family that you want for yours. Um, I want the same thing for my Decatur Morgan County that you want, um, you know, and um, so it, it it comes with those conversations and, and allowing people to get to know you and, and see you doing the work. Well, as you are out in the community, you're giving and serving and leading and, and leading over at the chamber and, um, and, and across the state. How, how, where are we right now in the circles that, that you lead and work and serve? Give me a, from your perspective, because yours is the one that matters. You're in it. Um, we can armchair quarterback and look at, at the situation from the outside, but you are living it and understand it. And where are we with this whole idea of equality now, you know, for women, for African-Americans, where, where are, how are we doing? Uh, it's still a work in progress. I would say, um, I think people are aware of the need, um, and, and, that's, like you said, that's for women as well. Um, we're very fortunate. When we look around Decatur, we see women leading 
major industrial facilities like ULA and GE. So, you know, I, I had the opportunity to sit with some students from the University of Alabama in a room of women leading these facilities. And, and I was so proud to be in a room with, with these powerful female leaders that, that are so incredibly humble and, and can, can put everything in perspective. Um, family is still incredibly important, but they're able to manage and lead these, you know, wonderful, successful companies. Um, so we're doing better uh, there. We still have some progress to make when it comes to making sure we're intentional about include in this area, including um, minorities, um, you know, in in positions of leadership. Um, and I don't ever fail to remind um, people uh, when I'm, you know, have the opportunity to do so, you know, let's make sure that, you know, this board, this opportunity is reflective of, of, of our body, our city, our hmm. state, or whatever, you know. That's awesome. So you, you are finding yourself now, when you are in a position of influence, to make sure that we are reflective of the people that we serve. And that, that looks very diverse. It doesn't look, uh, it's not one color. It's very diverse. And you get a chance to, to influence that. Is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. And then that's important because you need diversity uh, in, in thinking. And so, you know, different, different uh, thinking also creates such a better opportunity for us all. Um, thinking, race, race, racial uh, makeup of your boards, of your uh, workforce, whatever, um, it just creates just wonderful opportunities for you to grow and to, um, you know, just be embrace what's coming, you know, um, mm. it's important. So let me pick your brand. I need your wisdom here. Um, when this conversation generally arises and I've seen it in my life and, and in areas where, um, where I serve, so you come in and start talking about, let's make sure that we are diverse. Let's make sure that we're reflective. And defensiveness begins to creep up its ugly head. What can we do about that? How, how, what is your advice on how do, we, how do we help those walls of defensiveness to drop? Well, you just, you know, you have to keep talking. You have to keep educating why it's important. And when I say diverse, I think it's just as important to make sure we have our younger generation mm. represented as well. Um, we have, um, uh, you know, our millennials are in the workforce and they, they think totally different, as you know, than us baby boomers. And, but it's important to include them um, and then the generation thereafter. And so, you know, typically people will, will hear that. Um, and when that creeps up, you just have to make sure you explain why it's important because you're not always going to be around, um, baby, baby boomers. I can't remember the percentage are are retiring in huge numbers every day. So we've got to prepare our world, 
you know, to be better um, and mm. to, and, and we can't just, we've got to continue to grow. And so we've got to prepare those coming up behind us. Um, and um, again, I think it's selfish and I'll tell people that to, to think that, you know, the world, our, our place in the world should continue to be what it's always been and, and not grow and not look like the world, Mm. you know? Oh my, this is um, just chock full of of good stuff. Crystal is, is teaching us. But but think about that. It is selfish not to grow. It is selfish not to prepare those behind us uh, to to be better, to make this world better. That is uh, really awesome stuff. Love it. Uh, such, such wisdom. So I, I could I could ask you questions and learn from you uh, all day long, but we've got to probably turn this thing to a close. But I want to ask you this, as you think about this younger generation, as you think about these young leaders coming up and uh, these aspiring leaders, if you will, what are some tips you would say to them? What have you learned? What could you say to these young leaders who are entering our, our workforce now? What would you tell them that they, that they need in order to be successful? Well, I'd say that for me, legacy i i want to talk say that is is what drives me um i want to leave this world better than because i was here mm. um i i absolutely want my life to matter and um that means serving others so you know again that was instilled in me early on and i i continue to to serve that way um i would say to those coming behind um, or upcoming leaders, be kind, be compassionate. Um, I've heard this many times to be unclear is to be unkind. And I love that because I think people need clarity. I think they appreciate that. Um, And so don't be afraid to be clear with people, but also be willing to embrace new ideas new ways of thinking doesn't mean that you know you have to to um, change with everything every wind that comes through but um, be willing to listen Um, you've got to take care of yourself obviously physically and spiritually and don't be afraid to say no because you can get overloaded and I'm talking to myself now Mm -hmm. Um, every waking minute of your life wasn't meant to be filled right so I'm sure you are for I, a lot of people. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, the biggest thing for me is pray often, you know, um, mm. most especially for those that, you know, you're surrounded with and in the situations that you're placed in because you're placed in those situations for a reason. Um, my son-in-law, we have a family, we have a family text um, and, and he does the testimony Tuesday and yesterday he shared this and I thought that's perfect. Being a leader does not mean dominating. It means empowering people to do what they could have never imagined possible. And I think that's just perfect. I mean, um, that's what you do as a leader. So, um, 
Now that is all. Could you, would you say that one more time so we could catch it? Being a leader does not mean dominating. It means empowering people to do what they would not have ever imagined possible. Okay, you may need to stop this podcast, rewind it, and hear that again. She talks about the importance of her legacy. And, and that legacy means leaving this world better than I found it. And she said, certainly my life matters. But my life matters so that I can serve others. Wow. Um, that's, that's worth hearing again. Wow. What they would not have ever imagined possible. Beautiful words, Crystal Brown. You are, uh, you are an amazing leader, and uh, I hope we can have another conversation uh, again. I want us to continue. I feel like we're just, we're just kind of scratching the surface, getting your, your wisdom. But thank you for your leadership. Thank you for your service. Thank you for your heart. Um, you, you truly are a leader who understands what it means to cross the line from her head to her heart. And uh, you're certainly making a difference. Uh, and I know that uh, I certainly appreciate all that you're doing. And I know that many others do as well. So thanks for taking a, a bit of time to be with us today. I appreciate you, Larry. Thank you for the invitation again. It's, it was a great opportunity. We'll talk soon. Uh, take Bye. care. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Wow. Uh, I don't know about you, but I am, uh, I'm just full uh, from, from the truths that, that Crystal uh, has shared with us today. Uh, I'm challenged. Uh, I've learned some things. Uh, she certainly is um, the real deal. Uh, and, and she has proven that by living her legacy. Uh, the, the takeaways in this podcast are just numerous. In fact, I, I encourage you to go back and listen to this again and, and write down some of those things that this wise, wise lady w- was sharing, uh, talking about her legacy and that her life matters so that she can serve others and how uh, these young aspiring leaders should be kind and be compassionate. And one of my favorite things she said was, uh, to be unclear is to be unkind. When we don't create clarity, we are not being kind to those around us. Uh, encouraged us to embrace new ideas. She, she said, listen. Uh, she said, take care of yourself. And then she said, most importantly, pray. Uh, incredible, incredible insight and wisdom. Uh, this has truly been uh, one of my favorite podcasts. I hope that it has meant something to you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to Crossing the Line in order to make a difference. We look forward to you joining us uh, on our next episode.